Everybody, glad you're here. I thank God for those of you joining us online. And I just wanted to take a moment. Uh, many of you know that uh, my son Jake is transitioning uh, into a, a, serving as our teaching pastor. Uh, having served for nine years in our Kids Works ministry, and now I wanted you to know Dayton Bennett, who we just feel like uh, God has graced us uh, with his leadership, and he will be leading our difference makers, serving our children. Uh, while you are able to have your personal experience with Jesus in this room, he'll be allowing your children uh, to discover and uh, love Jesus as well. Dayton, we're glad that you're here. Thank God for you. Would, uh, would you join me in praying for him? Our Father, we just call down your goodness on Dayton. We call down your goodness on every difference maker that joins him in ministry. The other staff that are coming alongside, we, we pray your goodness over every child. Last night, Lord, 10 babies, holy smokes. I don't know what's in the water here, but we thank you, Lord. I ask that your Holy Spirit settle on Dayton that your Holy Spirit stay with Dayton, that your Holy Spirit fill Dayton and wield him to your glory. Lord, he is your workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that you prepared in advance for him to do. And we give you all the praise and all the honor. Every one of those children, Lord, are made in your image. Help them to come to know that Jesus is their forever friend. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Yep, I love you. Um, it was a struggle for Dayton to hug me last night on the way to church. Uh, my wife, this I'm Dave. If you don't know me, I'm David. I'm the sight impaired pastor. We're driving down Riverside from our old farmhouse, and Debbie says, "There's something in the road," and I think I'm maneuvering the truck in such a way that the dead thing goes between the wheels of the truck, but. If you see me driving, you should run the other way. I overmaneuvered and I ran right over that dead skunk. Oh yeah, baby. The cab of our truck filled up with the aroma of stunk, skunk, stink. And I, you know, by the time we get to church, my wife is rolling down the window, sticking her head out like a dog. <laughs> and we get to church and it's finally dissipated, you know, but I opened my door to get out and it like hits me again. So people that came to church last night thought I had a new cologne. <laughs> OD of skunk stink. Um, hey, we do, we do apologize that we weren't able to serve you as well as we normally do with communion service. And um, man, all the churches across America are buying the same stuff and Getting it here has been a struggle, but it's always worked every weekend. But I'm grateful for your patience. And next week, uh, we'll be back at the table of the Lord to eat the bread, drink the cup. Um, would you pray with me? Our Father and our God, what an amazing King you are. Would you join us now in the power of the Spirit to speak to us through your word and help us experience Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. If you're with us for the first time, man, we are delighted that God has brought you. And I want to tell all of you about the time that I met uh, Robin Williams. I mean, as close, as close as Amy and I are 
right now. That's how close we were. And um, we were in Columbus, Ohio, of all places. This is 20 years ago, 2002, beautiful summer evening. Deb and I just had dinner at a restaurant. We step out into the lovely uh, sunlight, and this young girl comes up, grabs me, and says, hey, I just saw Robin Williams. I just saw Robin Williams. And I'm like, really, where? She points down the street, and I wasn't blind then. And I see him a couple of blocks away. I look at my wife and hope you have a good evening. I'm going to go meet Robin Williams. And I take off running. And when I get in his line of sight, so I think, um, I stop running because I don't want him to think I'm some sort of crazy stalker, though I was. And um, he turns a corner about a block down from me. And I start speed walking after him. And I turn the corner. He's about a half a block ahead. If I ever sense um, that he's looking in my direction, I'm like, I'm cool. I'm okay. And then if he would look back straight ahead, then I would take off again. We arrived at the intersection at the, at the same time. And he goes down the street away from me. So I hustle across the street, come up behind him within maybe five feet and say, Mr. Williams, he turns and looks at me and smiles, so I guess he thought I was harmless. And I got nothing. He says, good evening. And I'm speechless. I mean, I'm just... He said, uh, are you all right? And I'm like, true story. And so finally he's like, well then... Good night. <laughs> Turns and walks away. And I'm like, why are you so stupid? What's the matter with you? That was so lame. <laughs> that was one, my one moment. Anybody else met a famous person ever? If you do, I'm not talking about getting to hug me every week. <laughs> no, if you do, I hope you're way more cool uh, than I was. But it's made me think through the years. What if when Deb and I came out of that restaurant, and that young girl came up and grabbed me and said, hey, I just saw Jesus. I just saw Jesus. Really, where? When she pointed down the street, would I take off after Jesus like I took off after Robin Williams? You bet I would. And so would you. And what if it was you? I mean, as you're speed walking to get to Jesus, what would be firing off in your brain? I mean, if you could get within five feet and call his name and he would turn and see you. I mean, if there was one question in that moment you could ask. I mean, think about your life right now. What's going on in your life? Based on what's going on in your life, if you got the chance to meet Jesus, what would be your one question? Well, we want to take a look today at three people who got their chance to meet Jesus, here's the first. We're going through the Gospel of Mark, a book on the life, ministry, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We're in chapter 10. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him and knelt down. Now, this, this kneeling down is a public display of respect. And, and Jesus stops and gives this man um, his full attention. He's leading an entourage of people, people who have heard him but want to hear more, people who've seen his work and, and want to see more. And they kind of gather around in the moment. 
What's Jesus going to say? They're hanging on every word. What's Jesus going to do? I mean, looking at two other accounts of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, Matthew and Luke, we learn that this man is young. We learn that this man is very rich. And we learn that this man is a leader in his religion. Jesus gives him his full attention, but he answers his question with a question. Here's what Jesus says. Or excuse me, this is the question the man asked when he had his moment. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? How do I get to go to heaven? What do I have to do? What do I have to do personally to get to go to heaven? And here's how Jesus responded. Why do you call me good? You see, Jesus is sticking his finger in the guy's heart. Jesus says, only God is good. Do you think that I'm only a better than average teacher? Or do you realize, are you saying, calling me good because you think I'm God? Now the guy, he, uh, he's down in the dirt in his really rich, fancy, religious robes. And he doesn't give a rip about getting them dirty. All he cares about is that question he's been reciting in his mind over and over and over again. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And so when Jesus sticks his finger in, in this young man's heart, wanting to, do you see me as God? Is that what you're saying? He digs a little deeper into the person's heart because he realized, I mean, Jesus as God, he knows this guy has a confused view of the whole good, bad thing. This guy thinks he knows. This guy thinks he's right about what he knows. And this guy thinks he's good. I want to tell you something, friends. This is free. A little alert for your life. The most hurtful people in your life are the people who think they know, who think they're right, and who think they're good. And if you happen to be someone who thinks you know, and you're right, and you're good, then you're the most hurtful person in someone's life. But that was this guy. He thought he had it all together. He thought that he knew and he was right, absolutely right about what he knew. So look at the question again. He says, what must I do? This is the question of religion. You see, religion, all the religions of the world are what a human must do to get closer to God. What a human must do, do, do to get God's blessing, to get God's favor, to get God's love, to get God's hope, to get God's joy. What must I do to get to go to heaven? Christianity, our faith is on the other end of the spectrum. We are all about not what we do, but what Jesus has done for us when he died on the cross for our sin, taking our place as our substitute, bearing all the punishment we deserve for our sin. He took it all on himself and then he rose from the dead. What Jesus did is what we bank our eternity on. Not what we know, not how right we are, not how good we are, not anything we can do. But the guy puts the question out there. What must I do? to inherit eternal life. Here's what happens. Jesus just tells the guy what he wants to hear. 
Jesus said, keep the commandments, you know them. And listen, there were like over 460. But Jesus starts with the top 10. Hey, don't murder, be faithful in marriage, don't steal, don't tell lies, don't cheat. Respect your parents. And the man asked her, teacher, dude, man, I've obeyed all this stuff since I was young. I'm gonna, give me one more. Give me one I've never heard. Give me another. What do I have to do to get eternal life? Jesus wants to lead this young man out of his warped sense of what is good and what is bad. Who is good and who is bad? Jesus has just told the guy when he wants to hear, but the guy, man, I've been doing this my whole life, keeping the commands. In fact, here's the weird thing. In that culture, all Jewish men knew the answer to that question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? They all knew the answer. The answer is obey all God's commands and avoid all sin. This guy has done his best, but he's come up empty. It's not fulfilling. It doesn't satisfy. I feel empty on the inside. I'm not getting hope. I'm not getting joy. I'm not getting love. I'm not getting any peace. Tell me what to do. So Jesus is about to tell the young man what he does not want to know. Jesus is about to tell this young man what he never thought anybody would dare say to him in his entire life. But before Jesus speaks again, he does something that is absolutely incredible with tremendous implications for you and me in our lives. Check it out. Looking at the man, this man dead in the dirt, this guy that thinks he knows, that thinks he's right, that thinks he's good, Jesus looks at him and Jesus felt genuine love for him. Man, I need this because I know I'm clueless. You, you need this because you know all the times you've been wrong, you've said wrong, you've thought wrong. Jesus looks at us and he sees all my sin sees all your sin, every hurtful word, every dark emotion, every vile behavior. He sees it all. He looks at you and loves you just as you are. You get that in your heart and in your head, man, it changes everything. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And then Jesus says, the one thing this guy never thought anyone would say, this is what he did not want to hear. Jesus said, well, hey, you know, there is one thing you still need to do. If you're a doer, do this, go sell everything you own. Give the money to the poor and you will have riches in heaven. Then come with me, be my friend, do life with me, hang out with me. Let's have a real relationship. And the guy's like, hey, I'm not down in the dirt in these robes to get a friendship out of you. I got all kinds of people want to be my friend. At this, the man's face fell. I just kind of see him, you know, getting up off. I got my robe dirty for this. The, the, the phrase there, his face fell, means it fell into severe disappointment. Never saw this coming. His face fell and he went away sad. For he had many possessions. Now this guy is wealthy, but there's nothing wrong with being wealthy. 
is just as Jesus probed his heart, do you think I'm God, Jesus wants to know? Do you think I'm good? That makes me good. Is that what you think? And he probed his heart for what was God in his life. This guy's stuff, stuff that doesn't matter, stuff that's not going to last, stuff that you can't take with you, it was the stuff that was keeping him from having, I, I want a relationship with my stuff more than I want a relationship with you. Thanks for the offer of friendship, but I'm going with my stuff. And he went away sad. I, I had to think about that for my life. Is that the trajectory I want for my life that I just want to keep going deeper into sadness? What, what is it that, what is it in my life that limits my relationship with Jesus? What is it that if he would ask me, I would just jettison out of my life? What is it, what is it for you? I mean, what kind of looks good on the outside, but the truth is it's, it's become your God. And if you had the choice between it and Jesus, you'd go with it. Um, so that's the first guy. The first guy I want us to look at who gets a chance to meet Jesus. He, he walks away sad. Now the second guy, the second guy's not in Mark. I know we're going through Mark, uh, but, but the second guy we only read about in Luke. And Luke, this is the big deal to me. It's why I've included it in my message. Luke puts these two guys back to back, side by side. Luke 18 is this rich young ruler who thinks he knows and thinks he's right and thinks he's all good. And Jesus in Luke 19 just lays, uh, excuse me, Luke in 19 lays down beside him a guy named Zacchaeus so we could carefully compare and contrast. Here's Zacchaeus' story. Zacchaeus is really rich too, just like the rich young ruler. Uh, Jesus walked through Jericho, he's on his way to Jerusalem. There was a man there, his name Zacchaeus, the head tax man and quite filthy rich. He, he would be on that show, the stories of the rich and famous. It's just that he got rich by digging out of the pockets of hardworking people. Worse, he got rich off the backs of the poor. They made the, the, the money, they accrued the possessions and he took them all away. He was a Legal thief. He was a Jew, but he was working for the Roman government. He got his money by lying, by cheating, by being corrupt and deceitful. And everybody knew it and they hated him for it. And I believe he hated himself. Well, Zacchaeus, um, there's quite a crowd. And so um, he wanted desperately to see Jesus, but the crowd was in his way. He was a short um, man and couldn't see over the crowd. And so we ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus as he came by. I wanted you to see uh, this picture. This is called the Zacchaeus Sycamore in Jericho. And whenever we're in Israel, I like to take our people by to see this tree in Jericho because it's right by the road. Now, it's not obviously the same tree that Zacchaeus climbed, but it would look very, very similar to the same sycamore tree that Zacchaeus climbed. Now, what you're going to envision is not just Zacchaeus up in the tree, but that road, you're going to see that road packed with people on both sides, three, four, five people deep, you know, on their tiptoes, looking to get a look at Jesus. Now, I think that Zacchaeus does, I've been short all my life, and we can elbow with the best of them. 
when we want to get to the front, I think the guys keep him out because they hate his guts. Either way, he climbs a tree. And, you know, it's inconspicuous. Who's going to look up in a tree? Well, here's what happens. As Jesus got to the tree, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus calls him by name. Hey, rich young ruler, we don't even know his name. Jesus never spoke his name. He disappears into sadness. He calls Zacchaeus by name. I know who you are. I know everything about you, Zacchaeus. Hurry down. Today is my day to be a guest in your home. Now that word in the Aramaic guest, it means that I'm going to stay the night that I brought my jammies. It's sleepover time. And Zacchaeus, he scrambled out of the tree, hardly believing his good luck, delighted to take Jesus home with him. Because this is, I mean, he goes just, you know, to see the latest and the greatest. He's heard about Jesus. He heard about the miracles. He's heard about the teaching. He's heard about the wonders. Everybody's heard about Jesus. So he just goes to see. But Jesus calls him by name, says, I'm coming to your house. I'm spending the night. He's absolutely blown away. Why? Because in that culture, if somebody opened their front door to you and you stepped in and you stayed under their roof and you ate at their table, that was your way of saying to them, hey, I accept you just as you are. I don't care about your past. I don't care what people say about you. I don't care what people think about us. I want to be your friend. Would you be my friend? Just like Jesus offered friendship to the rich young ruler in this moment, Jesus is offering friendship to Zacchaeus, and he was blown away. He was filled with joy. What the rich young ruler never even got a taste of, Zacchaeus is experiencing as a delightful appetizer. He's experiencing joy. He is glad, but not everybody was glad. Check it out. The crowds were displeased. This Jesus, what kind of Jesus is this? He's gone to be with the, the guest of a notorious sinner. Why didn't he pick me out? Why didn't he come to my house? I'm good. I know. I'm right. What am I, chopped liver? But Jesus steps across the threshold. Jesus stays under his roof. Jesus reclines at his table. I mean, then their tables didn't have legs like ours. They didn't sit on chairs. The tables were on the floor. This has got to be a rich dog spread. Spam, ding-dongs. But they recline. They hold themselves up on one elbow and eat with the other hand. And we really don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but I'm guessing that because Luke put a rich young ruler, Luke 18, right beside Zacchaeus in Luke 19, I'm believing the same thing happened, that just as Jesus looked at the rich young ruler and loved him, Jesus looks at Zacchaeus and loves him. This guy was all good. Isn't that the thing? This is the comparison that Luke wants us to notice. Rich young ruler, he thinks he knows, he thinks he's right, he thinks he's good enough. And that's going to get it done. Zacchaeus, exact opposite. Zacchaeus knows he's clueless. Zacchaeus knows he has done so much ugly wrong in his life. Not even God could like him. I baptized a young lady over in our chapel 
after the nine o'clock service, I baptized three people, but the young lady told me that she'd been wanting to be baptized for years. And I was like, you know, what, what made you put it off? She, she said, I didn't feel worthy. I said, you are worthy because Jesus looks at you and loves you. You are worthy because you recognize you've been wrong. Zacchaeus knew there was nothing good in him. I know I'm clueless. I know I've been wrong and I've been hurtful and I've been hateful and I've been selfish. I know there's nothing good in me. Friends, that's how you get to go to heaven. Rich guy, I know, I'm right, I'm good, walks away sad. Whatever is said between Jesus and Zacchaeus, you know, they're, they're both down reclining the table. Zacchaeus comes up. He takes a stand before Jesus. Check it out. The word of God says Zacchaeus stood before, look at that, stood before the Lord. Did you notice that the first time uh, the rich young ruler says of Jesus, good teacher, when Jesus wants to know, are you calling me God? Do you get it? Do you see that I am God? The next time the rich young ruler just calls him teacher. Luke is indicating here that Zacchaeus sees Jesus as God. Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, Hey, I've been a major league screw up. This money I have, it's tainted with my deceit, my lies, my theft. I'll give half my wealth to the poor. And if I've cheated people on their taxes, I I will give them back four times as much. Now, I think what happens in Zacchaeus is taking his stand. Jesus is, is still reclining, but I, I think Jesus comes to his feet. And he says to Zacchaeus what Zacchaeus never, ever, ever thought he would ever hear from anybody, let alone Jesus. Jesus said today, Zacchaeus today, you and not just you, you and your whole family are saved. You and your whole family are going to heaven. You and your whole family are, all the stuff you've done wrong, all the stuff you've thought, thought wrong, all the stuff you've felt wrong, all that garbage, it is done today. Today's a new day. You're a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. That's what I told that young woman over in the baptistry. Hey, you are, you are worthy of the love of Christ You are a new creation. You're new. The old is gone. The new has come. Three people who got a chance to meet Jesus. One was the rich young ruler. Second was Zacchaeus. And the third is you. God maneuvered in your life this week to bring you here this morning. To have laid out before you a choice. Are you going to be a person, thinks you know, thinks you're right, thinks you're good enough? Or are you going to stand up in front of Jesus and confess your sin? Zacchaeus did more than confess his sin. He repented. That's a Bible word, and it means if I've been cheating people, I'm turning my back on that sin, and I'm turning toward Jesus. 
confess my sin, turn my back on my sin, turn toward Jesus. And Jesus says, ah, you get to go to heaven. You believe I'm God, you get to go to heaven. What Zacchaeus would come to believe is that Jesus died for his sins, all his sins. What Zacharias would come to believe was that Jesus rose from the dead. What Zacharias would come to do is serve as pastor in the church in Caesarea by the sea. Rich young ruler, he walks away from Jesus. He walks away from the offer of friendship. Most importantly, he walks away. He's walking into sadness. He's walking away from the mercy of God. When Zacchaeus confessed his sin and turned from his sin and turned toward Jesus, he was walking right into the mercy of God. You know what the mercy of God is? Mercy is God protecting you from bad stuff you've deserved because of bad stuff you've done. We've all done bad stuff. The worst thing at the worst time said the hateful, hurtful word, I mean, sometimes we just think it. Maybe it didn't come out of our mouth, but it's eaten us alive. And we just get this bitter root in our heart. We have all sinned. We've all done bad stuff and we deserve bad stuff to happen. But if you confess and if you turn from your sin and turn to Jesus in repentance, you get mercy. He protects you. That's the mercy of God protecting you from the bad stuff. So yeah, rich young ruler thinks he knows, thinks he's right, thinks he's good. Zacchaeus, I know I'm clueless. I know I've done so much wrong. I know there's nothing good in me. I need Jesus. I need a good savior. I need a good king. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.